0: for listening to our podcast recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Right, we are now on chapter 12 in our series, Let's Build, and we're going through the excellent books of Ezra and Nehemiah. We're actually focusing on the, the book of Nehemiah for, for practical reasons. Okay. One of the things, you never, when you're married, you never stop discovering things about the other half, do you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I said, now what? It's only really the last six months I've dis- discovered that my wife has got um, a hobby or an interest that I never really spotted, even though I realise it's been in our marriage for a few years. Is on Saturday, she loves t- tuning in to Paul Gambaccini and we're on a Saturday afternoon Radio 2, and he plays the hit parade, or the hits, the top 20 songs, and you've got to guess which year it is. Has anybody else will confess to that? Sue, you're on your own. You you are on your own. It shows your age, but as a mature woman, I love. Um, Well, you may know some of that. You've got to guess the year, okay? Abba came in at number eight, Take a Chance on Me. Do you know that one? You're living in tonight, you're so spiritual. Thank you, I see a hand there. Who remembers Father Abraham and the Smurfs? Oh, it's getting more, I knew you'd know that one, Eddie. Um, Brian and Michael, matchstick men? Yeah. The younger people say, what are you on? Right, Um, the Commodore, three times a lady? Oh. Doreen, you and I have got the same sort of taste, there we go. What about the Bee Gees? Night Fever. Yeah, and I see a hand there. I've never seen so many hands when I'm preaching. Um, uh, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, summer nights, yeah? Sue <laughs> said, don't you dare dance to this. Um, and John Travolta, you're the one that I won. <laughs> right. Anybody know the year? Oh, you guys rock, yes? And at number one was Boney M by the Rivers of Babylon. You wondered where I was going with this, didn't you? <laughs> now you know. I won't. I won't sing it. Um, but do you remember uh, Bobby Farrell, the lip-sync king of the '70s. He was a guy that was uh, in the Boney M. and he, he apparently he, um, he just lip-synced it rather than sung it. But uh, it was a great song, I'm sure. But they sang "By the Rivers of Babylon." There we sat down. Yes, we we wept when we remembered Zion. By the rivers... Okay. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yeah, we wept when we remembered Zion. (laughs) By the rivers of Babylon... You see, you only know that bit, don't you? But it goes, when when the wicked carried us away into captivity, they required from us a song. Who's preaching
1: here?
0: (laughs) (laughs) How how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? This is is a dirge. This is a a heartache. Odd ache dirge. When the wicked carried us away into captivity, requiring of us a song, now how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And this thing about Psalms, because it, it, actually it is Psalm 137, verses verse six. Well, one, 1 to 6. And in, if you go into Psalm 137, there's another verse they didn't sing. And it's it's a verse one chapter verse six of one three seven, and it says, "The cry of our heart is to see Jerusalem established, and that's our joy." And sometimes songs, we think songs should always be happy. Psalms should always be happy, but the psalms that we have in the scriptures are not always happy songs. Because it's a full expression of human emotion. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? As we look at Nehemiah chapter 12, we see God was faithful to his promises to bring his people back to Jerusalem. Now, when we're talking about Jerusalem today and the temple, that for us, it represents... God's people, the church, and God's glory in the church. That's, that, that's the analogy. That's why we focus in on it. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, oh, represented by God's presence. If I, that's got to be my highest joy, to see Jerusalem restored and God's presence amongst it. Is that? That's their highest joy. And I'm challenged by that because I'm learning that's my highest joy. I want God's presence more than anything else in a glorious church made up of broken lives being put together again by God's grace and God's goodness. There's no higher joy than that. God was faithful. Church, to his prophetic promises that he would restore them and cause their backsiding to return, and be, they would be, re, would be written into the script to rebuild the temple for God's glory to reach the nations. That's the grace of God. When you blow it, and I know you have because human, I blow it, God's grace keeps us rewriting us into the script. Is that big? Is that, that omnipotent? and what a celebration broke out that flowed from the recognition of God you have done it on that day when they when they stood before Ezra the priest as, as he read from the book of Moses and they said God your promises are fulfilled we are going to stand in that building that complex that those grounds and say God you have given us title deeds to land you prophesied it some doubted but God is faithful to genuine prophetic. God, before he reveals it to men, he first reveals it to the prophets. That's why we believe in the prophet ministry. The prophet Zechariah saw the moment when the temple would be restored and the glory would come. He said, Who are you, O great mountain? Jerusalem was surrounded by mountains. O... O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward a top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. This capstone—you know the capstone in the, the, the Roman arches—they put that 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 last stone to go in, and that would lock everything else into place. And what the prophet was saying here, yeah, men can build, but God will put the capstone of grace in to hold it all together. And at the end of your life, I promises promise you this. You will find that God's grace has held your life together. It wasn't about your strength. It wasn't about your cleverness or otherwise. It is God's grace. God's grace that holds this together. You see, we can have the best technology in the church. We can have the best administration. The best of everything. But unless God's grace is upon us, we labour in vain to build this church. Now, we can either help or hinder God's grace by our, 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 our love for him and our walking in the Spirit. But as this church grows, it will be held together by the grace of God. And the grace of God flowing to each one of us and through to each one of us. Where it was recorded in the Acts of the Apostles, great grace... Was upon them. Great grace was upon them. Now we've marked out trustees today, and we applaud them, and rightly so. But it's God's grace that's upon us, because we don't know deserve any of what God's giving to us as a church. It's a way of grace. Jesus said to the disciples, "Fear not, little flock." And these twelve people. He said, "Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom." That's the grace of God. It's grace from first to last. So if you can turn into Nehemiah chapter 12, we're going to read a portion of it because I want to miss out those difficult names. You know what I'm like. I, I can't see um, it will bless you at all, but you can read them privately at home, in your own bedchamber, wherever you read. Verse 27: "Dedication of the wall." And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the districts surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the blah, 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 Yeah, I've got to practice this. And from Beth Gilgal, I can get that one, and from the region of Geba and... As a Maveth, for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem. Isn't that a nice thought? The singers wanted to accompany themselves around the presence of God. Not just on the Sabbath, but they wanted to live near the presence of God. Singers, worship leaders, are you doing that? Are you you building your village by the centre of God's presence? Do you live there? That's a challenge for us all. And the priests... And the Levites purified themselves and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. Father, I pray that you'll purify us this morning, ready for this journey. Then I brought the leaders, he's name is speaking now. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up onto the wall and appointed two great choirs that gave thanks. One went south on the wall to the Dungate, bless them, and the other went um, Hoshihiah. And the half of the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, you're going to clap me in a minute, Shemaiah and Jeremiah, and certain of the priests, sons of, with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, and son of Shemaiah, son of Mathaniah, son of Micahiah, son of Jachor, Zachor, and son of Asaph, and the relatives. I'm not going to go on that bit. I'll miss that bit. And with, it, with musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. And at the fountain gate, they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David and at the ascent of the wall above the house of, of David to the water gate and to the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north. And I followed them with half the people on the wall above the tower of the, of the ovens, to the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim and by the gate of Yeshaniah, Yesanah and the fish gate, the tower of Hananah, the Tower of hun- of the Hundred, to the sheep gate that came to the halt, to the gate of the God. And so both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God. What a picture. What creativity, what variety, what exuberance. We had the privilege of going to Bedford last, um, was it two weeks was it two weeks ago now, isn't it, to hear um, various people speak, Alan Scott and others. And we, we heard Dave Fellingham. Some of you will know Dave Fellingham. He's written many of the songs that, that you sing now. He's a great worship leader. And he was, he was saying how he got invited by Jackie Pullinger To. Um, you know, Jackie Pullinger in Hong Kong. They were celebrating 40 years of um, the St Stephen Society which um, they've given that, that name for the ministry in Hong Kong reaching out to drug addicts it's, uh, it's amazing what, what, what she did she learnt to speak in tongues 10 minutes every day and, and by doing that she, she, all of a sudden things began to happen and drug addicts would come straight off of heroin without going into cold turkey the gift of tongues is really powerful I spoke to one of our children in, in, in this morning before the meeting started, and uh, I won't say who it is, Pete and Debbie, but you've got a great da- young daughter. <laughs> and I said, do you speak in tongues? She says, no, but I've been to France. <laughs> <laughs> She's on a journey, isn't she? Oh, isn't that great? <laughs> but, but Dave Fellingham um, was saying that he was... Jackie P- Pullinger wrote him and said, would you come out and bring your trumpet... And because we're gathering the best possible choir and variety of musicians to celebrate 40 years. Um, and so that, that he flew out to, to Hong Kong with his trumpet and he was just expressing what a privilege it was. And it was a privilege to, to play alongside some of the greatest musicians in the churches in our generation. Because they had caught something that I think Nehemiah had caught. That we want to have a variety in our worship. We want to have a creativity because God is a creative God. I am thrilled at some of our young people well, all the the people young people coming through. They're bring I mean haven't we got a, a saxophonist now? Is that a, sax, sax, a saxophonist. Saxophonist, yes. That sounds far better than the way I say it. <laughs> a, I would like to see violins. Got one? Got one. <laughs> Cellos? Got one. Got one. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why? Because they caught something that God is a creative God. God is a creative God. And he can be worshipped creatively. Creatively, Yeah? They caught something. And Dave was saying how we have to be careful that we don't, all our music doesn't become soft rock or like U2. (laughs) Now, I like that. But there's rooms for variety. Some of the, We must keep singing the great hymns. In the days of David, the Spirit of God would come upon musicians and they would prophesy through music, playing of music. Work that one out. I could live with that, couldn't you? Father, I, I, let's just pray. I, we, we pray for our musicians and singers. We pray you come across this dear church, Lord, with such a wave of creativity, particularly for Debbie and the team leaders, that, it, you, you, Lord, what we do would become breathtakingly vibrant. Lord, we thank you for what we've got, but we want more, because you're the God of the more. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do a, a thing here, Lord, that would make our ears and our, our eyes sting and tingle with your glory. Amen. New songs are being written and sung. We we must understand that God likes new songs being written. He just likes it. Uh, We were so thankful to God that God gave us Cynthia Graham before he took her home. And the songs that Cynthia wrote were just simply magnificent. We must not stop singing songs like that but we, almost mis- we must also believe God for more new, creative stuff. Because God says, I will do a new thing. Yes. We can still enjoy the old thing, but it's a new thing. But I, I just have to say, reading these two chapters, I thought, great celebration, that's the title. I became quite saddened in my spirit. It affected me. Reading chapters 12 and 13. Because you read that Nehemiah had to go away on a journey, that's fine. But when he came back, things had changed in the people's hearts. After such jubilation and praise and worship, we read some saddening things. They drifted into compromising their relationship with the Lord again they were plagued with very short memories. They began to drift and compartmentalise their spiritual life. And I say that as a warning for us all, and myself included, that we can drift, we can compartmentalise that which was all invasive because of life, because of pressures, because there was nobody around to spur us on. And a dangerous trait emerged in their behaviour. They forgot this truth. Um, we, we were reminded again this week in our staff meetings that a, a guy called Alan Hirsch he, he says the Hebrew mind was that worship is to obey. Worship is to obey. So we can't just say we had a great time of worship, then live in disobedience, because that is inconsistency. Worship is to obey. And that's a challenge for us all, isn't it? But it's something we must come to terms with in following Jesus as our Lord. There's a phrase, is Lord of all or none at all. I think that's an over-exaggeration because we're all on a journey. But the journey is we want to bow the knee to Jesus and submit to him in all things, as God incarnate. See, Jesus himself said to the religious Pharisees, you, quote, you, you hypocrites. Uh, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain." And our prayer this morning before the meeting, God, let that not be true of us, this church. Let us not be a church that worships you with our lips, but our hearts are somewhere else. Jesus speaking to the 12 disciples before he went to the cross, he said, if anyone loves me, this is to the 12, this one to the crowd, this is to the 12, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word And my Father will love him, and we will come to him. We, who's that? That's God, Trinity. We will come to him and make our home with him. You see, that is what it is about. It's intimacy with God. That's what God desires passionately, that it costs Jesus so much. You see, Jesus went to the cross not to turn us into high-performing Pharisees, but adopted sons. Yeah. Yeah. And when Jesus rose from the dead, the first person that's recorded he spoke to was Mary in the garden. The one, could have been Martha, perhaps it was Martha was too busy still making sandwiches for Jesus that he didn't need. Mary was in the garden, and he, 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 he grabbed hold of Mary. I'm going to grab hold of your wife. Just one moment, Pete. Stand up. And he said, Mary, I'm ascending to my God and your God and my Father and your Father. He said, honey. <laughs> now, what do you think was going on there? There was an excitement and an exhilaration in the heart of Jesus. If you read that right, I'm I am ascending to my Father and your Father. That's not how he would have spoken it. There was a joy. Now, why was that the first thing that he said? He could have said many things. Cool, I've done well. I've overcome. He said, no, I'm ascending to my God and your God, my Father and your Father. It's about relationship to Father. We're God's children. It's special. We're special. And that's what Jesus died for, that that we would have such a... The, 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 the potential for intimacy with God is profound. He puts something deep within our hearts. It's deeper than we realise. When I spoke in tongues this morning, I gave a tongue and Sue interpreted I, I whispered to her. I didn't know I was that spiritual. When the interpretation came, I thought, wow, that's what's in my heart. That's what's in your heart. You speak the mysteries of God. We, we are by the... Being born again by his Holy Spirit and being filled with him, you are more spiritual than you think you are. And Jesus nailed it on the cross and he nailed it when he said to Mary, I'm ascending to my God and to your God, my Father and your Father. Yes. And remember that when it's not going well for you this week. Remember that God is your Father no matter what. Jesus said you'll have troubles and problems, but God is your Father and not only that, Jesus said to the twelve, and we will come to him and make our home with him. If we keep his word. Now that's not talking about salvation, that's talking about intimacy. There's that potential for you to have intimacy, so, so intimate with God through a father-son relationship. And you know, I explained to you about last week about... Um, the, in the Roman world, when a son was adopted, he got the rights. The daughter didn't get the rights and the privilege, but the son did. So in one way, we are all sons of God. But we know what we're saying. Your daughter's of God as well, if you're a woman. But he loves you. He loves you. But Nehemiah chapter 13, just pressing the reverse rewind button, they had forgotten their identity. And I guess it was difficult for them because they were, the law was being given to them on tablets, well, had been given on tablets of stone then parchment, it was read to them. But Jeremiah did foresee there would come a time where God would write his laws on people's hearts, by the Spirit of God, through repentance and conversion. where you know intuitively God's heart and God's ways. You know it. You know what's right and wrong. That's precious. And the Apostle Paul, he said, learn to discover what pleases the Lord. Wow, what a lovely way of- Learn to discover what pleases him. When I first got married, I had to learn to discover what pleased my wife and, and vice versa. Because that's relationship, isn't it? It's precious. It's a journey. We're on. And so this week, there are things that you can learn and discover what really pleases him. And you might be surprised what pleases him if you ask him. You might be really surprised what pleases him. Don't think legalism. Think a father who delights in you. And confession. It it, it is intrinsic to our walk with the Lord when when we get it wrong... Um, the prodigal son, do you remember he said in his own, he, he rehearsed it. Do you ever rehearse words, what are you going to say? I'm sorry. Um, but he rehearsed the words. Um, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll go to my father and, and say, Father, I have sinned. I'm not worthy. It, it's a, the, the prophet um, said this, um, one of the Old Testament prophets said this, Return to me with words, says the Lord. Yes. Come on, let's have a talk about it. Let's have a talk. What's, what's, what's been going on? Puts his arm around. What's going on? Why have you been acting or behaving like that? Okay. And, and as we get closer to the Lord, we, we find out what pleases him and what perhaps doesn't please him. And growing in the Lord is to be responsive to the Holy Spirit's prompting, so that when when we know oh I missed that, we go back and apologise. I'd like to apologise to some dear friends this week in team because I said something, and uh, in a context and the others didn't spot it, but I had spotted it and the Holy Spirit had spotted. I went hey that wasn't appropriate. It was just an idiot reaction. But I want to I want to and people said well you need to say that no no no. I did because the Lord was teaching me something of a principle. I want greater intimacy with God. That's, that's, my, that's my passion. I want to be able to... i tell you the verse I'm living with. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father. That's a verse for a way of life. Because... Jesus said, there is a a life for you and I whereby we can live out of every word that proceeds. It's a relationship. And these people, dear dear people in the Old Testament, after all the celebration, they missed it. There's two keeps that we need, I want to remind you of. In Jude 121 Jude says this, keep yourselves in the love of God. Can you do that? Sounds easy. Not always easy. But keep yourselves in the love of God. And 1 John 5, 21, the apostle John, the one who put his head on Jesus' chest in that upper room when they had that last supper, he said, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. (coughs) Well, I've not got a, a Buddha sitting in my living, on my living room mantel shelf. Uh, we don't, in the West, we, that would be so obvious, wouldn't it? That, but we do have an enemy, and I've thought about this. It's, idols can grow. <laughs> they can start off as a seed, and we allow them to take root, but they can grow, and that and it begins, they begin to take the place of God in our priorities. It could even be a, our attitude, our relationship with a person, where a person is taking the place of God in my life, or your life. Mary, had to, the mother of Jesus, had to learn. Oh, that's a difficult one that Mary had to learn that's why he, he called her woman at one point from the cross because she, he, had, he was helping her to ensure that her relationship with God the father was not impinged or affected because of her earthly understanding of her son Jesus What's, is there any idols in your life? put it right because God wants the best for you. Is it the job, the car? You know, these are all the regular stuff that we, preachers go down the list of. But there might be some things that we're not even aware of, that, that to you it's an idol. And the reason why God wants to put his finger on it is that he t- sets you totally free to serve him without fear or hindrance. Oh, I've just added a word of knowledge. Wanting to please your boss above the Lord. That can be an idol. The wanting to please. A wrong sort of pleasing, a fawning, that can be a oh, I can't offend that God, that idol. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Yeah, Joel 2, verse 12 says, Yeah, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and mourning. It's just a heart thing, obedience. 2 Chronicles um, sixteen nine. Some of you will know this verse. It's an amazing verse. It, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Well, there's a strengthening that can take place in us, for us, when our hearts are fully committed to him. And we're on the edge of great things at Gateway as um, we exchange contracts to completion. The journey begins. It really does for us. And the journey is all important. It's not just the arriving at the destination. God could give us that building. He could give us a complex already done, all whistles and bells. You know he could do that, don't you? but he's chosen not to do it for a good reason because he's taken us on a journey of discovery that by walking through this journey over the next months and few years until it's all fulfilled and it will be fantastic when we've got it all all dinky-doo-dah and spanking you and sorted but he's embarking us on a journey that he will build trust in him into our life together he will build into us an ability to deny ourselves certain pleasures in order that we may obtain a far greater degree of glory through what is building there. There will be denial for all of us, greater or smaller, but often it's the smaller in some people's lives and finances, it's the greater. There will be a counting of the cost. Yeah, I'm going to say no to that so we can, op- we can obtain this for our children's children, for God's glory because it's, it's taking the kingdom of God into areas of this wonderful town that where we're not currently reaching. It's proving God faithful. That's different from provi- proving that God can just do it all at once. You will grow spiritually if you embark with us on this journey, where God will cut to some of the issues in your and my life, To get this job done. Because we want to see it's not about a building. It's about people knowing Jesus Christ. Seeing people come to to faith and transform. And it required commitment. King David was such a man after God's heart... When he was about to purchase, God had told him to purchase a a threshing floor plot of land, get the title deeds for it. And he goes to the guy who owned it, he said, "Um, can I buy it from you? And and the the guy who who owned it, Aruna, said, no, 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 far from me, me to charge you, you have it, I'll give it for you to build on. And he said, no, no, no. No, I will buy it for you, from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord, my God, that cost me nothing. You understand that? So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And he bought the title deeds for that land and become God's land, God's people's land. I know everything belongs to God, but that was a special place on which the temple will be built I will not sacrifice to the Lord that which cost me nothing yeah. this is difficult and I still don't like to talk about it that's why he gets to me first so I can talk about it and be free from it <laughs> we were going to give a certain amount for this because the offerings will, will start coming we'll, we'll be putting them for you before you soon. I was, we, so nervous, okay we'll give X amount for us thousand, some thousands of pounds and we will loan, offer an interest-free loan on our ISA. Just in case we, we need some extra money. So you worship in, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm aware of the costs that we need. I, I said to Sue, well, let's not just provide interest-free loan. Let's give the whole lot. Let's have the ISA. You can have it. I didn't know what an ISA stood for. I do now. I surrender all. <laughs> I, I, I just want, I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a terror for freebies. I just love freebies. I, if you go around the delicatessen counter and all the nibbles around, I go around three or four times around the aisles to have <laughs> breakfast at, at one, one really nice place by the cinema, begins <sighs> with D. It's great, I can graze. I'm a grazer. I mean, last week I looked out the office window and I saw that there's a, a, a cafe opposite us. The lady after, who would bring, I'm going to watch out every, um, every um, midweek afternoon now, she came and brought out a huge plate of sausage rolls to give away. I, w- I, w- I was hungry. I went, flew down the stairs. I, I'm so rude. I just went and got two handfuls of sausage roll cook bits. And I don't even like sausage rolls. I don't even like them, but they were free. That's, you know, if it's free, I'll have it. That can be an attitude for us. Okay, well, we've got, we've got this complex now. Take the offerings for it. But how should I sacrifice to the Lord? That would cost me nothing. You see, if you wanted to, it could cost you nothing. But God's promises don't come wrapped up in sausage roll puff pastry. With every call of God, every authentic call of God, it will be wrapped up in sacrifice. There will be a sacrifice in it. If there's no sacrifice, I question whether it's a call of God. I really do. In my humble experience of knowing God after these number of years. 50 years, man and boy. Abraham, I'm on good territory here. Abraham, God said to him, leave your country, your people, and your father's house. Do you think there was a cost involved in that call? Go to a place, I'll show you. Moses, he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Bit of a cost there. If you want to be used by God, Moses, fleeting pleasures of sin, not appropriate. Let that go. Cost. Peter and Andrew... Jesus called them and he, he said, Follow me. And they said, Okay. And they left their nets and followed him. Their means of livelihood. Huge, huge. God can do that. He has, he can do it. <laughs> he can just do it. Jesus just did it. I'm not one of these raps now. He just did it. <laughs> Paul. he sends a humble man to go and visit Saul of Tarsus, who has just got old. And he said, go, go, he said to this humble man, go and, 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 and say, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. And verse, verse 16 of Acts chapter 10. And I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. That's the Jesus you worship. It's not two Jesus. it's a nice Jesus and a tough Jesus. It's just Jesus. There will be tough times ahead in your life. But make sure the challenges you're facing are for the right reasons. (laughs) Has anybody ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian who withstood Nazi Germany and he, he paid for it with his life? He wrote a, um, a, a great book on discipleship. It was simply called, in German it means the following. Isn't that lovely? The following. Following Jesus. And he said, Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. That's another one. you That's a challenge. Well, I'll follow Jesus, but I don't want to get baptised. It's just too embarrassing. No, repent and be baptised. Here's water, what's stopping you be baptised? Easter Sunday, what a time to be baptised? Here's water, what's stopping you be baptised? As long as you have given your life to Jesus Christ and received forgiveness of sins through his blood on the cross. But he goes on. Cheap grace is grace without discipline and, or discipleship. Grace without the cross grace without Jesus Christ. Church, we're on a journey. Hebrews 11, it talks about um, all these great men and women of faith. But it's, in one verse, the writer of the Hebrews said this, these people whose strength was turned to strength in battle if you feel you're weak as a Christian there's no better place than to engage in the battle and God's calling us to battle now in the name of Jesus we're asking you to join us because we believe it's God's will that we take this ground there's no better moment I think for us to respond by taking the bread and the wine